right, time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simeon. I'll say one thing about the village people. You could always understand exactly <laughs> what they were singing about. Okay, Unlike true. Unlike another band, that shall remain nameless. True. Okay, listen. It is not only Guns N' Roses. I have often made the joke that I have trouble understanding what Bob Dylan says when he sings. So this is not a new thing. Well, I'm not sure that Dylan understands what <laughs> Dylan is singing by the time. But I, I am struck, Simi, as a... You know, I'm sort of on the sidelines uh, consuming popular culture. Uh, the number of artists out there now uh, who make a point of making sure you understand every word they say. I think, I think, the enunciation, uh, hard yes. rock. You know, we used to joke about what the hell the Rolling Stones were singing about, and people used to try to transcribe their lyrics like from Tumbling Dice. But now there's a, I think there's a real rise of clarity, and it's encouraging. Maybe uh, the listeners, whether the whether one agrees with the views of the singer is another matter, but I do think that some of the very, very successful people around now, like Taylor Swift, um, no question what she's singing about. That's, That's true. But you know who I was one of the first I can think of is Billy Joel. I've never had any problem understanding yep. anything that Billy Joel says in a song. Even when he did that song, We Didn't Start the Fire, which is pretty complicated, I can understand every word. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good another good example. So uh, we right. go on. Uh, All right. But, uh, no, it's fun to listen to the uh, lyrics thing. Um, now, Guns and Roses, of course, are a, are latecomers to my uh, time as a music critic. Uh, village people were more like uh, what they were playing <laughs> on the radio when I was writing about music. Right, so but you, you just know. you just said that you're a Swifty, so we learned something new about Von Palmer this morning. <laughs> so that's good to know. Uh, let's talk about something that we haven't seen in a long time. We saw it yesterday, but it was a press conference with Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix, yeah. and it's about masking. Yeah, no, uh, look, when, when we went through 300 briefings with Dix and Dr. Henry during the pandemic, uh, the most briefings anybody's ever done on an issue in BC politics, one of the things that came through was this thing is going to be with us. It's not going away. And sure enough, there we were yesterday, Dix and Dr. Henry and talking about COVID is back. Well, it never went away. Uh, the deaths, hospitalizations, and cases are all on the rise. And along with it, we're getting a respiratory virus season. We're back with boosters. We're back with being told you're going to need to upgrade your immunity. Uh, we're back talking about masks and, and some of the things that they're not going to do yet, but it's with us, uh, they're with us, and we're all back into the same storyline again. And Right, and so we're talking masks, we're talking a, a booster campaign again. Yes, so the boosters are coming. Um, Health Canada approved the first one. Uh, interesting what they said about that. So most British Columbians have some immunity now from COVID. 80% of us have had it. And uh, some of us may not be aware of that, but that's what the stats indicate. And most of us are boosted, uh, vaccinated and boosted. So you put all that together, you get what Dr. Henry calls hybrid immunity. Uh, we've got some protection, but the protection fades and it fades at different rates for different age groups. So uh, what they're doing is there's going to be a rollout for uh vaccines for both the uh, RSV uh, respiratory viruses and for COVID. 
the big difference, Simi, is we're not going to be, at least they said this yesterday, we're not going to be having these standalone clinics in communities for the most part. For the most part now, it'll be done through your pharmacy. And I can say uh, they're right on that one. Uh, while I was on holiday, I got a notification from the pharmacy I use here in Victoria that uh, vaccines are coming. We'll be eligible soon. I'm over 70, so I'm in the high-risk group or one of the high-risk groups, uh, pregnant people, uh, long-term care, and so on. The same vulnerable groups that were there in the past will be priorities, but eventually it'll be available to everyone. And Dr. Henry said it, Adrian Dix said it, get vaccinated. You need the extra protection because whatever immunity you had has faded. And they talked as well, I understand, about the, the UBCM, that maybe that was a spreader event. <laughs> I heard this on your news, and it, it, the first I heard of it was reading the transcript of the press conference this morning. Um, yeah, so there are preliminary reports that uh, when all of the province's mayors and councillors got together for the annual convention of the Union of BC Municipalities, um, some of them... Uh, unwittingly perhaps, brought COVID with them and spread it around. Now, Dr. Henry uh, was aware of it, uh, was very guarded in what she said. It is way too soon to declare it a super spreader event, but it did serve as a reminder for why particularly people who are vulnerable need to exercise precautions again. So they should be thinking about masking. They should be thinking about uh, indoor events again. They should go back to the old protocols of washing your hands, staying home when you're sick, all the stuff that we've heard before. You know, one thing you go, God, we, we as a society seem to have a very short attention span. So you wonder, are people even listening to this anymore? I guess the one thing that came through to me yesterday, uh, Simi, and again, reading the transcript this morning, is um, you should pay attention to this stuff. It's here and it's going to remain. And we're going to go through this probably every year, fall respiratory season. The hospitals are going to fill up again. There are going to be concerns about staffing. Way too many people, uh, depending on the ER and healthcare workers themselves being off sick. You put all that together again. I, people may be tired of this storyline, but it's a real one. And here we go again. We're back now with Bob Palmer for the Vancouver Sun. I mean, I understand that Bob Dylan song. That's like the easiest one to understand, wouldn't you say? Uh, well, that's certainly one of the easier ones. I guess maybe it's also one of his most famous. Uh, uh, you can go to Hard Rain. Uh, it's going to fall. You can You can argue about whether or not the song is really about nuclear holocaust or not, uh, but it's uh, it's the one that Patti Smith chose to uh, recite in Stockholm when she accepted the Nobel Prize for Literature on behalf of Dylan. So uh, I, think, I think with Dylan, the argument is more um, the implications of what he's singing about than not being able to get the words. And also, I guess some people are put off by his singing, although I think he's one of the greatest singers of all time. 
I know you think that. I love talking about that. You want to argue about some other stuff? No, no, no. I I would never, Vaughn, argue about music with you. (laughs) Never. I defer to you completely. Uh, We can't argue about people being NIMBYs, though, because this this story from Vancouver is really kind of entertaining, kind of sad, that they're still arguing about the importance of view cones in the city. Yeah, Vistas. So a good piece in the paper today in The Sun uh, by my colleague uh, Sarah Grochowski uh, on City of Vancouver is revisiting, starting next week, at least there's a motion to revisit. ABC has said they want to look into this, the protection of views. So you buy a place and one of your possessions is the view and of the mountains or the ocean and that is being used to block or at least significantly alter new construction in the city because there's, what, 26 locations in Vancouver where the vista is protected and the city council has been enforcing that over the years. And what, you, what you've had is major projects that have been reduced or changed in order to protect the views of the people that are already there. So classic NIMBY issue, a controversial, you know, you bought the place in part because you like the view of the mountains, but the city is going, wait a minute, we got to build a lot more housing and increase the density in the city. And to what degree should we allow view protection keep us from doing that. When you look at the map of the view cones, though, I think it's pretty clear that some of them can be altered. Some of them just are like a, a, a wide swath. And you think, well, maybe we need to take a look at these because they were established, what, like 30 years ago? Yeah, they were established back in the 1980s. And yeah, I understand why people are going to fight to protect their view. But no, I think you're right. I think the the talk around it, and you'll see this in the story in the paper today, is we should narrow some of these protections, maybe eliminate some of them altogether. And I would note from uh, reading the coverage on the housing issue around the province, there are other municipalities where this is an issue as well, where buildings uh, don't get to be as high as the developer proposed or even the city supported because it's going to block somebody's view. So there's a lot of this going on around the province. Provincial government uh, noticed this week Ravi Kalan said, we're going to get more legislation this fall restricting the grounds for uh, zoning and putting up barriers against housing expansion. I don't know if they're going to touch on views, but they probably should. In general, uh, we are going to have to um, sacrifice what people consider part of the big part of the character and the quality of life of communities around British Columbia if we're going to significantly increase density and housing affordability. You know what's so interesting, Vaughn, is that we're, as we're talking about this, about kind of breaking down these barriers to building more housing, we get an idea, don't you think, of what has held us up for the last few decades. Yeah. This is one of those things. We t- had briefly touched on the Oak Bay response yesterday too, but these attitudes have been kind of cemented into place over decades. They're oh, going to be sure. hard to break. Yeah, they are. The blow up, you've reported on this this week, the blow up between the federal housing minister and Metro Vancouver, where the minister was coming out here for a couple of major housing announcements. And he said, I'm not coming because Metro Vancouver is proposing to add to development fees that will add, I don't know, 10 to $20,000 per unit. A big part 
of the reason that housing is so expensive. Are these regulatory restrictions, development fees, the long, long time it takes to get projects approved? All of that goes into the mix. And sure, there are other things that government needs to do, but we are, Simi, you're right, going to have to make major changes in our thinking if we're actually going to increase density in the city, particularly density for the kind of housing that's been stalled and blocked in the past. Okay, so there's that. Also, I have to quickly ask you about gas prices. Have they gone up in Victoria as well? Yes, the uh, Victoria, the reported price yesterday, and I wasn't filling up, so I'm going relying on the story in the Times columnist, uh, $2.20 a liter. I have a trivia question for you, Simi. What was the gasoline prices price in British Columbia when John Horgan uh, <laughs> indulged himself in that giant political stunt of a public inquiry into gasoline prices? Hmm, I'm going to guess, just going out on a limb here, less than what we're seeing right now. <laughs> yeah, seventy a liter. So they've gone up 30% since then. Uh, my second question to you is, uh, what did that public inquiry actually accomplish other than the spending of a million dollars and John Horgan scoring a bunch of political points? Hmm, uh, nothing? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's a total political stunt from the outset. And you could tell that because the terms of reference for the inquiry, the inquiry wasn't allowed to look into the impact of provincial taxes and regulations on gasoline prices. So the inquiry came back with a report that that the New Democrats seized on and said, uh, this is in 2019, so ancient history, the New Democrats seized on the report and said, see, we found proof of gouging. Well, that was four years ago. Well, they've got a majority in the legislature and they've had that since after the election. Yep. So what have they done about this gouging that they found? The answer is absolutely nothing. But Simi, they have increased taxes on gasoline and they have toughened regulation on it as well. And the price is now 30% higher than when they promised to get to the bottom of the problem and fix it. Thanks for the reality check, Vaughn. Have a good weekend.